Well, hello there, Walnut Hill family. I'm so glad that you're here with me, whether you're here in Bethel or you're joining us from Waterbury or New Milford or Derby or you're part of my favorite campus, the online campus. I see you guys. I love you so much. I'm Crystal Ellington, if you don't know me, and I'm the online campus pastor, and it really is a pleasure. I'm actually really fired up to share the word of the Lord with you today. And we are in this season where we are learning more about or remembering or reminding ourselves about who Jesus is. Also that we could go deeper in relationship with him. Also that we could have a more intimate connection with him. We've already learned that Jesus is greater, that Jesus is undefeated, that Jesus is healer, that Jesus is compassionate. And today we are going to talk about the power of Jesus. Jesus is all powerful. This might not be news to you today, but if it is news to you today, buckle up. You're going to find out how powerful Jesus is today. So I'm going to start off with a question like I am prone to do. When you think of the word powerful, what do you think of? Well, for me, I think of those world's strongest men competitions. Have you seen those guys? They lift some ridiculously heavy things for no reason other than to prove that they're strong. But those are some really powerful guys, right? Or maybe, maybe if you're like some of my friends, you like superheroes and you think that they're all powerful. They have these amazing abilities or technology and then they come in and they save the day at just the right time. Those are some powerful people, all but fictional, but powerful people. Or maybe you think about leaders, CEOs, leaders of national and international organizations that make decisions and change the course of people's lives, actually. These leaders do that. That's, that's powerful too, right? But all those ways that we define powerful or think about powerful, all those ways are finite. There's a beginning, there's an end. Those strong guys, those strong men, yeah, they, they, they're pretty strong, but they do reach their limit at some point. Superheroes have their weaknesses and technology fails. And well, leaders, we know, they can't control everything. But Jesus, his power is so different than that. His power is infinite. Let me show you what I mean. Let me show you what I mean. Yes, give me the amens today. I really would appreciate because Jesus is all powerful today. So if you would, take out your Bible or your phone or however you access the word of God and turn to Colossians chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 15 to 17 to start. The Bible says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. These verses depict the power of Jesus. He existed before anything was even created. He was involved in creation. His power created things that we can see and things we can't even see. And his power rules over all creation. In his power, he rules over all creation. He makes sure things stay spinning. And everything in all creation was created through him and for him. That includes us. So when I say Jesus is all powerful, I'm saying that Jesus has power over all things at all times and in all ways. 
We have to remember something, that this phenomenal power of Jesus, we shouldn't take it separate from his character. Jesus is good to us. Jesus is kind and loving and merciful and patient. He loves us with an everlasting love. He cares about each of us individually. This is our Jesus. And it's this character that moves his heart to do things, to move in power. So we have to remember that Jesus' character is linked to his power. And Jesus uses his power. He tells us how he uses his power and really why he uses his power. He says to seek and to save those who are lost, to, to give us a rich and satisfying life. Jesus doesn't use his power to hurt us or to force us to do things or to crush us. No, he uses his power to woo us or to draw us into deeper relationship with him. So today, I wanna share with you about how Jesus is all powerful. We're gonna be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter eight. If you would go ahead and turn there now. I hope you have your Bibles today or your phones. And I'm gonna share three stories with you about the all-powerful nature of Jesus, so pay attention. And also, you're gonna see three different reactions to the power of Jesus, so make note of those, and we'll go, we'll go through that together today. So now I'm in Matthew, chapter eight verses five to 13, and the Bible says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Because you believed, it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. So let's talk about this story a little bit. What we see here first, the first character we see is this Roman officer who was likely of high rank. He had soldiers under him. He had power and authority over people, but he recognized the all-powerful nature of Jesus. And despite his rank in society, he approached Jesus humbly. He called him Lord. And then he presented his request. He presented the state of his young servant to him. And this officer was so certain of the power of Jesus that he didn't even ask him to come to his home to heal his servant. In fact, Jesus asked him if he wanted him to come to his house and the officer declined because he felt like he was unworthy. Do you sometimes feel like you're unworthy? Well, I've got good news for you in this story. Even though this officer felt like he was unworthy, he still approached Jesus, why? because he knew of the heart of Jesus, his compassion, his desire to heal, and he also knew about the power of Jesus, his ability, his capability to heal. That is why the officer approached Jesus. 
So to come to Jesus, this officer gave up his power, his position, his authority in order to submit it to someone who was more powerful than him. Jesus, right? But if you blink, you'll miss the miracle. Let me go back. It says, then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that hour. The power of Jesus' voice operated out of space and time and healed that servant. Jesus was not there with that man. Jesus didn't even lay his eyes on him. He spoke those simple words and the young servant was healed. Amen, hallelujah. It's so good to know that Jesus' power is not finite, it's infinite. It operates outside of space and time. That is the power of Jesus. Let's take note of the Roman officer's response to his power. This officer had a surrender response. He yielded to the authority and the power of Jesus. He knew Jesus was Lord and he was sure of his all-powerful nature. A surrendered response looks like acknowledging the power of Jesus as Lord, releasing control into his hands, and then trusting Jesus. Trusting that he will work all things out for your good. And as the Roman officer trusted, his young servant was healed. That's what a surrendered response to the power of Jesus looks like. Okay, let's move on to the second story. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter eight still, and we're gonna go to verse 23 to 27. It says, then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. And suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're gonna drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the wind and the waves obey him. So let's talk about this story. So we have the disciples and Jesus in a boat on the Sea of Galilee when a storm suddenly arises. Now these kinds of storms weren't really unusual because of the topography around the Sea of Galilee. There's hills and valleys that work just perfectly to filter in wind that creates those storms over the sea. And these storms were known to be extremely violent and to create really, really high waves. So now I hope you're envisioning the crazy powerful storm that the disciples were experiencing. And these storms were known to last 24 to 48 hours. So you can imagine the panic of the disciples when they realize they're caught in a storm of this nature. This storm could have capsized their boat. Yes, they could have drowned. But Jesus, amazingly, was asleep. So as the storm was raging, the disciples approached Jesus because they knew in their minds that he was Lord, but they, they kind of didn't know deep in their hearts because they said, Lord, and then they said, help us, save us, we're going to drown. There's that dichotomy, there's that back and forth, that shakiness of their faith. So when Jesus woke up, he spoke to them and asked them why they were afraid. And in one version I read, I love how it says it, it says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? It's what he was asking the question. He was getting to the heart of the matter. And the miracle, and the miracle is that Jesus used his voice and he spoke directly to the storm. He rebuked the wind and the waves. So the storm went from crazy, stormy, and probably very scary to perfectly serene, a beautiful day on the Sea of Galilee. 
That is the power of Jesus at work. His voice, he spoke, and there was serenity. So let's talk about the disciples' response to Jesus. And I would say that their response is more of a shaky and surprised response in that at first they approached Jesus as Lord, but they really weren't sure. They were like, Lord, save us, Lord, save us, save us, Jesus. Have you prayed a prayer like that? Jesus, save me. A little bit shaky, a little bit nervous. It's good to go to Jesus even if you have that shaky, uncertain faith. But that storm, when it was rebuked, this is the surprise part of the disciples. They were surprised when it became calm on the sea. They said, who is this man? Gone was Lord, but who is this man, they said. This, this, the way they voiced this just shows their confusion and the identity of Jesus. They knew that Jesus was Lord in their minds. They spent lots of time with him. They'd heard him preach and teach with authority. They'd seen him do miracles and heal, but they still were not sure of the identity of Jesus. So as I'm talking about this shaky and surprised response, it's knowing that Jesus is Lord in your mind, but it hasn't fully reached your heart. And that's okay. It's an okay place to be. Just continue to seek the Lord. Continue to press and continue to ask Jesus for what you need, even if you are shaky. But I have a word for you about storms, and I think it's for somebody today. Just because you're in a storm doesn't mean that Jesus isn't with you. The disciples in this story, Jesus was literally with them in the boat and the storm still arose. But I believe the storm arose for a couple of reasons. One, Jesus could show his power to the disciples. He could reveal exactly how all-powerful he is to them. And it gives the disciples an opportunity to decide to learn more about who Jesus is, to see his power, to know his power, to understand his all-powerful nature. So maybe today, if you are in a storm, if I'm speaking to you, maybe this is an opportunity for you to approach Jesus with shaky faith, even if your knees are knocking. Approach the Lord and witness his power in your life so that you have a testimony to share of the all-powerful goodness of our God, of Jesus. Let's go on to the last story, the third story. We're still in Matthew chapter 8. Go down to verse 28. The Bible says, When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, two men were possessed by demons met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him, why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance. So the demons begged, if you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town, telling everyone what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the entire town came out to meet Jesus, but they begged him to go away and leave them alone. So here we are, after the disciples and Jesus have endured this storm, And they come up on this side of the shore, on this part of the shore off the Sea of Galilee. Now, you know it's by no mistake that they were there. Jesus knew what he was about to do. 
He knew as he encountered those two men, they would be unclean. They were living in the tombs. They were likely Gentiles and they were possessed by demons, but that did not bother Jesus. He didn't care about that. Jesus came there to seek and save that which was lost, to set those men free. And so he was gonna do it. The demons though, they recognized Jesus as the son of God. And isn't that interesting? How the demons, the enemies of Jesus, recognized that he was the son of God. But the disciples who were friends of God, didn't really recognize who Jesus was. They had that confusion about him. So just just want to plant that seed in your mind. And it's so easy for us sometimes to have our minds twisted a little bit, to be unsure. The enemy likes to use our minds against us so we don't know the truth of who Jesus is. But Jesus, he again used his voice. He said, all right, go. And those demons left the men and they went to the herd of pigs and destroyed themselves as they went down the hillside. That is the power of Jesus. He spoke, that's it. There was nothing mystical or magical. He literally just said words and the demons were moved. Those men were set free immediately. But let's talk about the response to Jesus in this case. Those pig herders, they saw what happened and they ran to the closest town and they brought all the people of the town out with them. So they were not a celebratory, joyful crowd. I imagine this was an angry mob coming to Jesus, begging him to go away and to leave them alone. These people did not want the power of Jesus near them. They didn't want a power they couldn't understand, a power they couldn't control in their midst. Well, maybe they were worried about more financial loss for their town. You know, that pig herders, those probably was money for those pig herders. Or maybe they were concerned that Jesus would speak some more and change everything. And they were not ready for that. They did not want that in their lives. Or maybe they thought everything was just fine the way it is. Their lives are fine. I have a couple of troubles, but you know, it, it's fine. I don't really need you, Jesus. They didn't want to experience change in their lives. And aren't we like that sometimes? When confronted with the all-powerful Jesus, they sent him away. And so I like to call this response of the, the townspeople self-sufficient. They didn't want, they didn't believe that they needed any outside help from Jesus. They believed they were fully capable of providing for their own needs in their lives. These townspeople had no room in their lives for the all-powerful Jesus. That's a shame. But in these three stories that I've read to you and shared with you, you can see that Jesus is all powerful. You can see it. It's right here in the Bible. And you can see that Jesus gives these people an opportunity. He gives them an opportunity to know who he is and to decide how they're going to respond to him. This is the same Jesus who heals without seeing or laying his hands on someone that he heals with the the words from his mouth. He, He speaks to storms and makes them still. He casts out demons and sets people free. This is the same Jesus we worship today that we were worshiping earlier in service this morning. We worship the all powerful Jesus. He hasn't changed. He can still heal. He can still calm the storms in our hearts and he can still control the forces of nature. He can still speak to our souls and call them into alignment with his will. One word from Jesus can change your life. 
So this leads me to the question. I have a question for you. How have you responded to the powerful nature of Jesus? Have you been self-sufficient? Have you been shaky and surprised? Have you been surrendered? This question is for all of us. We are all somewhere on this continuum of surrendered to self-sufficient. Okay, so setting the past aside, now that we've had some time together, how will you respond to the power of Jesus? How will you respond? Will you surrender, trusting that he has all things working out for your good? Will you come to him shaky and surprised? Shaky is good. Come to him with that. He loves those moments where he can show his power. Or will you be fully and completely and unconditionally surrendered to him? Let me talk about myself for a second to encourage you. There are times when I am fired up, when I'm like, Jesus, Show me your power. You can do it. I believe it. I can feel it. I know you're going to do it for me, Jesus. And then there are times where I'm like, Jesus, I, I've been praying about this a really long time. Nothing's changed. Things are still the same. There are still, I still feel the same. I, they're still acting the same way, Jesus. What are you doing? Your timing is not my timing. Let's get this moving, Jesus. And... I know that in those moments, he brings it to my attention because God is good. He's patient with me. Isn't he patient with you too? Because it's so good that he is. He, he shows me the true state of my surrender. Just when I think I've got it made in the shade, he shows me the state of my shaky, weakened faith. And it gives me an opportunity to surrender all again, all over again to him. And that is the power of Jesus. He speaks to our hearts and leads us into surrender. So let me be clear. You should want to be more surrendered to Jesus. Actually, we need to be more surrendered to Jesus. Let me show you. Let me show you what I mean. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, God blesses those who are poor, and realize their need for him. When it says God blesses those who are poor, those who he's talking about are surrendered people. People who realize their need for God and surrender to him, those are the poor people that Jesus is talking about. And Jesus promises blessings for those people who are surrendered to him. So of course, you should want to be surrendered. When you surrender to Jesus, when you release control, when you acknowledge his power as Lord and you trust him, you make room for the power of Jesus to be made manifest in your life. And a surrender life is the best life you can have. Let me show you, let me show you. Go to Colossians, back to Colossians chapter one, verses 11 to 14. The Bible says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So when you surrender to Jesus, when you let him be your Lord and let his power be manifest in your life, you are strengthened so you can have endurance and patience. And we all know that we need endurance and especially patience. 
You'll have joy when you surrender to Jesus. You'll have a thankful heart. You'll have freedom and forgiveness of sins by the power of Jesus if you would only surrender to him. When you surrender to the power of Jesus, you gain eternal life. When you continue to surrender, you'll be able to serve God and do all the things that he has called you to, the things that he created you for. And the power of Jesus is perfected in your weakness. This means the more you surrender, the more you admit your weakness, the stronger you can become because the more the power of Jesus will work in and through you. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. It is so good to know that as we are weak, he is strong and he shows his all-powerful nature. So here's one more proof for you, in case you need a little bit more. If you're a little bit of a skeptic, I love skeptics. Y'all are my friends. I got more proof for you. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says, by his divine power, by his divine power, don't miss it, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So all this is saying is that when you surrender to Jesus, his power gives you everything you need to live a godly and the most fulfilled life you can have. All you have to do is surrender to Jesus. But surrender is not a one and done, I'll do it today, I don't have to do it tomorrow. Surrender is a process. It's daily or sometimes even moment to moment, if we're honest, we have to keep giving that thing to Jesus over and over and over until it's fully surrendered. But it's a choice that you make to acknowledge Jesus and his power, that he is your Lord. You release control to him and then you trust him. When you surrender to Jesus, you're making room for his power in your life. And Jesus, we know, he can change things on a massive scale like we've seen in the story of the storm. He spoke to wind and waves and it became a calm, nice day on the Sea of Galilee. But he can also speak gently to our hearts to, to calm the storms within, to change our mindsets, to change our perspectives. That is the power of Jesus. He is not limited to big or small. He can do it all. Hallelujah. That's so good that he can So Jesus uses his power to transform us. He desires for us to have transformed hearts. That is why he does all these things. He reveals himself so that we can submit, so that we can surrender to him, so that we can live in a restored relationship with him, so that we can live those lives to the full, a rich and satisfying life, so that we're no longer lost, because we're lost without Jesus. So now I have a question for you as I invite the worship team back up. It's time for you to choose. It's time. What are you gonna do with your life? How will you respond to the power of Jesus? Will you be self-sufficient, thinking, you know what, my life is good. I don't really need the power of Jesus. Jesus, I I got it, you know. It's, it's okay, but you know, I can figure it all out. I'm pretty smart, I'll get it. Is that gonna be you? Or will you be shaky and surrendered? Will you, will you come with your knees knocking a little bit, but still seeking the Lord, still pressing and still trying to believe that, taking that mustard seed of faith in his power? Or will you be fully surrendered? Which one will you be?
as I prepared for this moment, Jesus challenged me. I love when he does this. He makes me, helps me grow. It's the only way that I grow is when he challenges me. I said, oh, Jesus, I'm so surrendered. This is easy. He's like, ask me if there are places in your heart that you haven't surrendered. Ask me. I said, ooh, Jesus. Okay. I guess there are, Lord. So show me. Show me those places in my heart. But that is what Jesus does. He doesn't want partial surrender. He's not satisfied with a little bit of your heart. He wants it all. He wants unconditional surrender. He wants you to wave the white flag and say, Jesus, it's all yours. I'm giving it to you. We all need to take steps forward today. All of us. And so we're going to together. I'd like to invite you to stand with me. And for those of you online, this is for you too. Don't stay seated on your chairs or your couch. Go ahead and stand with us. This is a moment we're gonna take to pray and to really surrender ourselves to the Lord. In Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24, the Bible says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So go ahead and close your eyes and take a moment and ask Jesus, Lord, what is it I need to surrender today? What am I hanging on to? That this, this situation that seems tenuous, this health journey, is it uh, my kids, Lord? They're, they're doing crazy things, Jesus. I surrender them to you. Think about that for a moment. And now, if you've thought of something, even if you have it, we're still gonna pray. I want you in symbolizing your surrender to Jesus in this moment, if you feel comfortable, and I really wanna push you today, raise your hand to heaven. I'm gonna raise mine because I know that I need to continue to surrender to him today. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, oh, how we love you, Jesus. We love that you are all powerful and you can do it, Jesus. Lord, we give you everything. We give you all things today, God. We acknowledge you and your power, Jesus. You are our Lord. And Lord, we confess that we have tried to take control of things that we really have no control over. Jesus, we surrender. We submit those things to you today. And Jesus, I pray that you would begin to move in power that you would heal hearts that are broken, that have been hanging on to unforgiveness and bitterness. We release unforgiveness and bitterness into your hands, Jesus, that what that person said or did, we're letting it into your hands, God. We want you to heal our hearts, Jesus. Lord, we want your peace. Speak to the storm in our hearts, Jesus, today and make it calm again. And God, we wanna be set free. We wanna be set free from shame and guilt, from habits and hangups and addictions. We wanna be set free from negative talk, from false beliefs about ourselves, from any lie the enemy has sown in our heart. We wanna be free today in Jesus' name and your power, you can do it, Jesus. Jesus, move in power today. Move in power in the hearts of your people. We are here completely surrendered to you unconditionally, Lord. We are yours and you are mine, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your power. We thank you that you will continue to move and that you will transform us by your power as we continue to surrender, as we continue to make room for you in our hearts today.
And now I'm going to pray for you from Ephesians chapter 3. The Bible says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power and work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Amen and amen. You can lower your hands.